Hello, Next Geners. Welcome to our Thursday form preview show. Damien Ratcliffe here, Chief Racing Writer at The Age, joined on every show by our data guru, Hayden Byrne from Daily Sectionals. And welcome back, Tim Gall, Best Bets, Betfair, uh, Demon Supporter, uh, Racehorse Owner of um, Mostly Sunny, who knocked off Defiant Diva today at, at Ballarat, mate. You must be uh, up and about. Yeah, look, uh, let's, which one we started? Surely we talk about the footy first. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I'll talk about that for the next rest of my life. But uh, yeah, good run, good run today. She was, Trevor uh, got a bit of a plan for her to sort of go uh, through her grades prep and always was keen to get her onto her favourite deck, which is Pakenham. So she'll go there next start, November the 5th. And, you know, she's, I think she's had seven starts there for, for six top two places. So she looks much more forward than I thought. And I'm wrapped that she ran third today and uh, looking forward to her next start. And I'm bloody stoked to be back on the show, boys. I've been hit and miss this spring with you guys, but uh, I've had a terrific last Saturday, red hot on the form. So hopefully we can bring some of those into this show for next geners. Good one. We're, we're happy to have you on the show too, because I know how much you love Cox Plate weekend. Yeah, look, it's, it used to be the, the best two minutes in sport until the 25th of September at about 10, 15 PM when it was the last two minutes of the grand final. So now it's the second best. No, look, seriously, this is the best race I reckon in the world for mine. I'd love to see the prize money get up towards those other races up the road in Sydney. And I think this race deserves every accolade that it gets because it's a true 2000 meter test for the best weight for age horses in, in Australia, Australasia and the world. And, just look at the honour roll to know how good the races are. You know, we, we Damo, I think I was next to you for a couple of her mighty four wins. And, you know, I can think back to going to horses like Adelaide, which was licking the outside fence when, when uh, he won. And look, it's a terrific race. And, uh, you know, I think it always sends up some surprises. And, you know, I think there's 1992 and just some standout races. And I'm looking forward to talking to two of the best in the game about it. And, I have to admit it's a small field and we might have one that's coming out of course in gold trip. There's some interesting news floating around about him, but I think it's a good field. Dallas and aside, I think these are the best horses going around at the minute and um, I'm looking forward to it. Yep, that's right. News today, gold trip has failed a bet test. Um, we'll have to get tested on Friday morning and I don't think the camp uh, all that confident the horse is going to pass. Damien Oliver on um, racing.com coverage a bit dumbfounded founded that he hasn't been asked for his opinion, considered he rode the horse in a gallop at Mooney Valley last Saturday and thinks the horse is fine. Um, but uh, the horse is lame in two of its four legs. So um, that's a big thing to overcome in, in the space of 48 hours. So we watched this space. Call sign Mav, the New Zealand horse, also uh, failed the bet test this morning, but a bit of bruising on the heel and, John Barry thinks that um, his horse can overcome that in time for the race. Hayden, I know this is one of your favourite races uh, too. You um, were on this show last year where you, you spruced that you can generally pick the um, Cox Plate winner. Well, last year was a bit of a boil over with Sir Dragon, you'll re remember. So I reckon this has been eating you up inside for the past 12 months. Um, I think you'll be ready to um, fire on all, all cylinders on Saturday. Is that fair? It is with the little bit of the unknowns with Gold Trip, call sign Maverick. Son's name's Maverick, so there was a little bit of do you go with the omen? Do you have five dollars on just in case? It was eating me put up last it, put year. Put it this I, way, did you have five dollars on a horse that you're a part owner in today? Definitely not. 
So you're you're not one for um, you're not one for sentiments, mate. No, it's all it's just business for me, mate. I've got no interest in uh, that sort of things. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I was lucky to back mine just the place. Actually, I've got to be worried about 150 out. I thought she was going to win uh, the old place bet winner. So uh, that was lucky that it didn't happen. But anyway, well, well you would have. You would have had um, Billy Ferg on speed dial there at the 200 because you looked like you were going to get the money for a couple of strides. Yeah, I was, yeah, she was a lot more forward than I expected, so very pleased. That there, in terms, of the, yeah, in terms of the play, yeah, gold trip, you know, we've got rules on this show. If the vets are hanging around, we're not. Yep. Um, we're happy putting a line through those ones. So they'll come out for us. They'll be official scratchings as of 4.40pm uh, Thursday afternoon. <laughs> Um, on next-gen advice, they'll come out and they can win without us. But definitely a race that I love. It's been eating me up that we didn't find the Dragon <laughs> last year. Um, and we'll rebound and go again. Yeah, they backed him late that day. Um, they backed him real late. I think he was 14s into 7s and the money was spot on. Um, that play was a bit tricky last year too, you remember? It was, yeah, it was, it was a bit shifty and rails wasn't great and... Yeah. Poured with rain, and you know it's it's interesting, and that's a conversation for a beer. But you know, this is this is basically the seventeenth race in a twelve-hour block, right? <clears throat> you know, and it's it certainly makes the track very interesting when it plays like that. That you're sort of getting to that point that you know, seventeenth race of the of your A one race of the of the year. That's your seventeenth race and apparently it's gonna be rail true true. So who knows what we're gonna get come race nine on, on uh, Saturday. Yeah. And, and I think you know Arcadia Queen's a total forgive in that race last year. She won the Caulfield Stakes in the lead up. I think she was the best horse in the race last year and conditions didn't suit and she proved that when we backed her in uh, the McKinnon. Um just quickly um we talked on this show Hayden on Monday is our review whether KI Nautique should be in the field. How do you feel about that decision? He was left out on uh, Tuesday. Yeah, I wasn't impressed, to be honest. I thought he um, I thought he earned his right to be there. If, you, if you're going to put a race on, you're going to put it on for the big money and you can't attract 14 runners, there's your first problem right there. I think the camp, you know, if you go and you purchase a horse from overseas you bring him here and prepare him for a race like a Cox Plate and you have one run in your campaign where you get beat a head by a head um, versus a horse who's second favourite for the race. It was only a couple of starts back. You come back, you not um, I wouldn't say you're competitive at Flemington, but you're definitely hitting the line well, looking for 2,000 metres. You go and you purchase these horses and you put them in and they don't fill the field. I think you got every right to be disappointed. I think the camp would have taken it flush on the chin if they got put out because there was 14 other runners there and they got yep. put out because it was determined they were the runner that they didn't want. Um, but the concerning thing for mine is these races in Sydney at the moment are attracting runners that we should have. This race should be a lot better than what it is. We should really be sitting here and saying, okay, how are horses like I'm Thunderstruck and Private Eye for example, going to measure up with the mole form versus the Cox Plate. Um, you know, your typical weight for age runners coming off handicaps, et cetera. They're pinching a couple of the runners and we're knocking back others. So, you know, in the future, you know, our four-year-olds are the bread and butter. And if they're all going to go, um, you know, if we've got a horse like Mwanga who comes here, because it might be a little bit easier than going to an eagle, that's concerning for mine. Mm. Um, 
four-year-olds, definitely dangerous runners in Cox Plates. And it's like the golden age from a historical perspective for a Cox Plate. So yeah. got to be a little bit careful. If we don't want fields of five, you know, if Zaki had have been gone real big last start, how many horses would we really have here? They're my little concerns. And it's funny, though. I think such good points you make, Hayda. Sorry, I just came off, Damo. But it, what I, one thing I do love about the race is the aura of selection. You know, it's not like qualification. It's not like this, that, and the other. And it's always been the committee go behind closed doors and make decisions on who they want to race in their race. And not saying that it doesn't mean that we should have more in the race or what's happening, but it's actually a beautiful aura to this race that that's a part of the process, you know, and, I always think that that stigma of we're trying to put the best possible race that we possibly can in, in front of our people. And yeah, look, there's probably a few bits of animal flesh that should be in here that aren't, um, you know, but that's, that's a broader conversation about programming and prize money and the like. But I do think that we've got six or seven really good horses that are going to battle out a very good race in that regard. And, and, you know, that's, that's probably the highlight for mine is that they've, they've chosen the best, possible runners that they possibly can in what's in front of them, you know, and I think it presents as a great race. And I think there's a lot of little storylines are going to probably play out. Great to see some Sydney jocks come down as well. It's been missing. And I think that's a great outcome that we get to see some of those. Cause that means that, you know, there's a bit of an indication there that they want to come down and race in this race. You know, the two best jockeys in Australia and, and McDonald and Hugh Bowman have gone out of their way to get down here to ride in the Cox Plate. Um, and that in itself, uh, Weren't they quarantining in mighty Yarrawonga and swimming in the Murray there, I think, this week? But that shows you that where they have their interest lies, that they want to get the big the big silverware. So that's a big part of it too. Yeah, last point on this. I, you know, fine if you're going to have um, an exclusion rule, but I don't think you have to use it just to make the race um, become more relevant or, or try and make it look like the race is more exclusive. Um, you can actually go by without... Um, forcing horses out of the race and I'm sort of in the camp Hayden that this is a horse with um, a group one win in Japan he was two lengths off Arm and I last year the best horse in the world and um, you know you only have to look at your IVR data last start they were minus 20 lengths through the first section he had some like a 21 length mid-race squeeze like that's never the race shape that's going to suit but throw him in there see uh, see how he can go and I think he's uh better credentialed than some of the other horses that they've ha- they've led in the field in previous years. But anyway, let's look at the Manicato. I know One Hayden thing just to add, Damo, sorry, just to close out on that, that, if you look at the Golden Seagull, the, the highest rating nom is the September run, right? And would she win the Cox Plate? I doubt it, you know, just as a stack up. She's not going to make 2,000 metres, but it's interesting because just looking at the noms for the, the Golden Seagull and it's, you know, 112 rated wild ruler. There's a few others yeah. that you sort of think. I, I, different I, I, horses for courses, right? I'm thunderstruck and private eye should be in the yeah. cox plate. Yeah, that's a fair call. Yeah. Yeah, both mole, mole group one winners, albeit a handicap, but um, I'm thunderstruck was outstanding last start. Um, and so was private eye winning the Epsom. And Epsom's always been a good form race for the cox plate. So um, disappointing from that point of view. Uh, the Manicato, well, that's sort of disappointing from a field point of view as well. We're obviously the best 12 sprinters in the country ran in the Everest last week, but I, I, you know, horses like Big Parade winning the Sydney Stakes and Kementari and Standout and Senior Fox, why aren't they having a crack at the Manicato? It's come up pretty weak. Um, Hayden, I understand that you're not really even interested in having a bet tomorrow night. 
No, I got no interest whatsoever, mate. Um, our great friend of the show, Mr. Peter Volandis, is offered everybody who's running anything in the last month in Sydney, um, anywhere between one million and seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, just to hang around and run in the classic legend, which is worth as much as the Manicato as is. So Melbourne are in catastrophic trouble attracting a sprinter. There's no reason for the big boys to come down. The big boys can all um, sit back and campaign in Sydney all spring, and we're simply not going to get a look at them. So if this is what we've got to offer up for, you know, what I've always enjoyed as being one of the great sprinting races of the year, then, you know, the interest level for me has deteriorated pretty fast. And you have to put the VRC sprint in this conversation as well, right? So we're two weeks away from that on stakes day. Yeah, that's, I think we're going to have Nature Strip v Eduardo and a few others coming down for that. So, you know, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's going to shape up as probably the race that arguably kind of benefits from, what is it called? The Mount Hotham, I think it is called, or whatever that race that Peter runs up there. But like that, that's, that's going to benefit a lot, that sprint. But this is the race that cops it, right? Definitely. Yeah, but I think all our sprints have copped it this year, and I still yeah. don't understand what, where's a horse like Splintex? Where's where's a horse like um like Big Parade and Standout? Why aren't they running in this race? Why isn't Kementari running in this race? They ran in a Group Three last week instead of uh, running in the Manicato. Um, anyway, it is what it is. Uh, interesting story in the Age I wrote today for tomorrow's paper. Uh, James Cummings. Wasn't really happy with what he saw from Paul Alley um, on the weekend and um, ingratiating. He's happy to forgive the horse, thinks he gallops huge in the um, lead up. So got ingratiating in the market. So's Lombardo, who's been well backed. The only group one winner in this field is Sabatoxel. Um, Tim, where do you sit on the Manicato? You don't like Darwin form, H? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, I'm not one for, uh, I'm not one anyway. for data form at all. Darwin Foreman, Savatoxin. Now, look, I, I, this is a hard race, if I'm honest. Um, if I'm going to have a bet, I'm probably going to chuck Lombardo on top. I think she's, he, I should say, is, is just moving through his grades really well. Plenty of upside. I think gate three is terrific for him. I think he's just going to sort of probably get one out off gate three because I think there's a couple of horses inside him, like Bella Nipotina, that might go forward. And I reckon one out off the fence might be perfect for Lombardo just to get that kick around the corner and, and what is actually probably going to be a pretty fast run race because there's a little bit of speed in it. So probably just put Lombardo on top because of the way that is the case. I, I'm a big fan of, of Sneaky Five. I think she's a terrific filly, plenty of upside. And, and I reckon gate, gate six, 51 kilos on it for KFC loving Dean Yendall. I think she could run a really cheeky race. And so could Crystal Brown, mind you, another filly in the race as well that gets well drawn and well well. Weighted, of course, Damien Thornton won his first group one last week. So he's in good form. But, yeah, I'm going to just have a little play on Lombardo and, and I think Sneaky Five and Crystal Brown can run terrific races as well as uh, in low art weight. So that's probably my play on the Manicato. I don't I think if I'm going to lay a horse, it'll be Savitoxel, to be honest. I don't think Fitz can win this race. So that'd be my lay. I'm actually going to have a bigger bet, Lombardo. I think, uh, I think he's a standout in this field just from a recent form point of view he's put three in a row together his win over the, at this track and uh, distance two starts ago um, was outstanding smashed him um, in a time that would win this race uh, Rainville who ran third won at Geelong yesterday 
Um, and he just did what he had to do last start. He draws beautifully. Um, oh, I'm really keen to play Lombardo here. I was waiting for some of the um, some of the corporates to have a little um, insurance second and third or something like that, so I could really go big. But none of them have put it up, so I might have to go uh, some insurance with the place. But I'm pretty confident he'll be running a, a good race um, mid price at the uh, breakfast with the best head. The horses are. The horse is absolutely on song, bouncing around the yards. That's what I'd like to hear. Um, you want to sum up Hayden at all? I can only picture this race really going in one direction. Um, you have gone Savatoxel. I think Matty Hill likes to run with Savatoxel. Savatoxel, right, okay. I'm going to go with Savatoxel. Um, the only way I can picture this race is he goes to the front, controls things, kicks if Lombardo's really monsters him in the straight. Um, if he's not, you know, it might be a, something for everyone to get excited about. Late in the night, irrigation, always an issue. Mooney Valley, if they're too slippery from the front, they might not catch the Darwin flyer. Um, that's always something that sits in the back of my mind, Mooney Valley, especially Cox Plate weekend. You can always, you know, once you start seeing those track records when rain's predicted, doesn't come, et cetera, very difficult place to manage from a track perspective and night meetings. Um, the horse that I've got a little asterisk next to went like a um, busted last start. Prior to that was excellent. Wrong price, away game. Yep. Into Meach, dangerous race. Dangerous in races like this. High speed, that's her go. So for me, it's Lombardo, Savage to Excel, away game. And I've got no interest in anything else in the race. There we go. <laughs> Well, you remember Hayden, I, I picked the winner last year with Hay Doc. Um, feels like a lifetime ago. But um, actually, Mick Price won this uh, race seven years ago with one of my favourite horses. You guys remember the name? Langdon Rupee. Yeah, what a, what a race that was. On the fence, there was about 84 across the track. Yeah. I was actually there and I backed it. That's why I remember it. Yeah, that was there one of the... seven or eight horses across the track. It was one of the greatest finishes. 2014, Manicato, well worth Googling. It was one of the great finishes in a... In the sprint race at the valley, it was seven or eight across the track. It was incredible, and you know that's when we had a golden age of sprint races in Melbourne, Chautauqua, um, buffering. You know the hay list, black caviar. There was a stack of races that horses that won this race, and it was yeah, always always a pleasure, and hopefully it bounces back. All right, favourite uh, Cox Plate memories before we get stuck into this field. I, I'd have to say, oh, it's a really tough question, isn't it? <laughs> Um, Hard to go past Wings. Yeah, look, I think Wings was third was probably my favourite. I think she sort of got a bit of a fright from from Humidor and and just seemed to find a. I think Huey knew that he had it won and just did what he had to do. And I think it was just that feeling of equaling Kingston Town, who was arguably one of the better champions to win this race as well. And look, I think that was a terrific race. I think as a young fella. Um, you know, there's a couple that I that I really enjoyed. I, I really enjoyed watching Sunline win. She was a, a wonderful mare, and you know, I don't think you can have many horses that that win the Manicato and Cox Plate on their CV. And you know, that always stands out to me as being just just a terrific horse in itself. Um, you know, and I think that one of the greater races was was kind of was at '92. I think that Naturalism um, might have fallen up the back, or no, was it one of them fell in that race? Naturalism won, I should say. Uh, he ended up coming back the next year and winning again. You know, so he won two races in a row. And 
the Might and Power was an amazing win. Falante won it a couple of times and, you know, Lonro Northerly, they're all terrific. But, yeah, I think if I was going to say the one that I think was the best, I'd probably say Winx's third just for the reason that she won because that was a tremendously pressure race and she had to dig and deep and find and equal Kingston Town. So that's probably my way of looking at it. Wonderful race. I love it. And and rising fast, I should say. He won three as well. I was trying to think of the <laughs> other one that won three. It was rising fast. Um, my little great mate, Saintly, made me fall in love with the sport. So he's will resonate with me as one of my favourite Cox Plate memories. The day that Dane Ripper won, when um, Barton, Damien Oliver, two of the geniuses of the sport combined to win, was special for me just to watch it. Um, best Cox Plate winner I've seen in my time is So You Think. And he is yeah. my favourite horse from um, my generation of being a punter. Uh, I treated myself to three quarters of a can of draft over the top of my head when he got the money in the Cox Plate as a three-year-old, and I loved him. So they're my memories from this day. And on the day, a punting story, one I don't share very often, is um, the day he won... I had $100 to win on Apache Cat the day that Damien won on him. I misplaced the ticket. I went up to the bookmaker on course who I placed the bet with and both the bookmaker and the baggie remembered me because I asked if I could get a little bit better than the price presented on the board on the day. He won. I, For memory, my collect was around $600. Um, and I said, I can't find my ticket. They said, well, you can come back after the last. If it hasn't been collected, the money's yours. I said, can I have the whole 600 on So You Think at 14s? Oh. And they said, no, you can't. And they didn't put it on for me. And so I had to have the couple hundred bucks that I originally wanted to have on So You Think on the day and got the money. But the collect was going to be a little bit better if the boys had a shook me hand and said, yeah, you've got the deal for the lost ticket. So I collected the money after the last. And it was an enjoyable day. I can, I can guess my only very quick punting story. It's not really a punting story, but I in 2012, I forgot to renew my membership and they sent out a membership, uh, an EDM, I think maybe the start of October, I reckon. It was just before Turnbull Stakes. And they said, oh, here's a special. If you renew your membership and you tip the Cox Plate winner, we'll give you a membership price for free for that year. And, of course, I got on and opened it up, typed in Ocean Park, hit enter, Went to the track that day and I backed Ocean Park, but I was just so excited because I'd won my free membership for the day. So that's probably my favourite hunting side story for the Cox Plate was that that particular day. Uh, good story. I think you. Uh, I think you might have said Tim uh, rising fast. No, no. Tell a lie. He won it not three times. Yeah, correct myself. Yeah, you're probably thinking of. Um, yep. Rising fast, rising fast won the Caulfield Cup, Cox Plate, and Melbourne Cup all in the same year. That's a feat. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, the three. Yeah, I don't think Thank we'll you. ever Great. see you again. Um, and just quickly, my favourite memory is uh, Winx's second Cox Plate. Um, I'll be honest. I, I think I was on Harden all that day, and to see Winx uh, give me goosebumps the way she, you know, put four on him so quickly. Um, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it now. That's how good um, that performance was. Okay, let's have a look at this Cox Plate field. Zaki, um, well, we've said it for a couple of weeks now. Hayden, he's got that one big performance, the Dooming Cup, um, that would uh, obliterate them here. But if he doesn't reproduce that performance, it's an open race. Animo and Captivon both bring that Caulfield Guineas form, and I think that's going to stand up. I think this Caulfield Guineas, 
you know, has a bit of an all too hard Piero feel about it. So I wouldn't be surprised if I see those two finish in the top three or four horses in the field. A state of rest, Saratago, uh, Sarat, Saratoga, um, Derby winner, um, Joseph O'Brien, John Allen deserves to be uh, mentioned here. Gold Trip, we know he's got vet question marks, as does Call Sign Mav. You've got Very Elegant, who will love any rain. And there's probably been a bit of a rumour going around that last start she was in season. And Victorian Racing has banned um, Altrinagest, which helps mares uh, in their cycle. So if we take that rumour with any trust, we can probably forgive her last start. Mwanga, it's interesting. A lot of people talking about Mwanga as an each-way play. I thought he had every chance in the Epsom. And this, well, is this a tougher race? We'll see what you guys think. And Probabil, um, last year, I uh, had a little bet on Probabil. She was great at 2,000 metres last start. Has she... Uh, showing that she can be competitive in this race or is it too big a stretch? Tim, tell us how you've broken down the form. Yeah, this is a, it's it's funny. Like, I, part of me kind of wants to say Zaki's going to win it, but I don't think he's up to it, right? And I just think that run didn't excite me last start. Look, he won he won pretty well at Sandown. I think in a small field, it probably didn't tell us a great story. Mm-hmm. Um, went around again with only five and it was a tricky race the way that it played out, but probably gave him the sword, to be honest, and, and won pretty well. And that was a fairly fast, um, you know, 2,000-metre race at Caulfield in the end. So he had every chance and, and didn't grab it. Um, going through it, and I keep trying to find reasons to tip against horses. And the one I feel like I just can't seem to tip against is Animo. And, and I'm not saying that I think – look, I, yeah, this might be the story of the three-year-old this year, you know, and I kind of think there's things that just keep – meaning that he's going to run really well and particularly where he's drawn, strangely enough, because usually you'd think drawing wide wouldn't be great. But in this context, I think that that gets him to get back in the field a little bit and just ride quiet in a nice spot and get that lightweight to actually start humming as they get around the corner on that sort of bank and he can just launch to the line. Craig Williams hasn't had a great spring. He's due a ride. He's due a win in one of these big ones. There's sort of that element. So... That's probably where I'm leaning, and and I I think then I put my heart bet into it, and I'm a huge fan of this mare. I think she's the best horse in Australia, and that's very elegant. Um, she's a ten-time Group One winner. I think she'll bounce back. Um, I, I think she's just she's too good to ignore. Um, I think there's a lot of things that work in her favour in this race, and as you said before about she might have been in season in that last race, and you know even still she was only what I just looking at the result. I think she only lost by three lengths in a race that everybody was disappointed against. Incentivised who went and did what he did in the Caulfield Cup, so it probably wasn't that bad after all. So I think they're my plays. I think I'm going to have a a lean towards Animo. I think he can win and, and get one of these three year olds to get this race, and and I think I'm going to have a save a bit on Very Elegant. If I was doing multiples, I'd probably throw, pardon the pun, I'd probably throw probably in there and I definitely have to have Zaki. They're the four, I think, that I'd be playing on. Um, but that's that's probably the way I go in this race. Terrific addition. I'd love to have said gold trip, but I'm just nervous. I think he would have won, to be honest. Um, and, and I've just taken him out because I, I can't take a horse that's 2-5 lane two days before the race. If he gets in and he wins, I'll have a on my face, but that's probably why I just, I'm just not keen on him. But yeah, long story short, Animo just on top of very elegant, and I'll back them both, I think, is the way I'm playing. Okay. Hayden, 
No, you can go, mate. Here you go. Well, I feel like I'm a little bit uh, conflicted because I have got some big overs um, in my mind. Well, I back state of rest at 51 um, to 1 and 13.50 the place. Um, he's now about $13.50 the win and $3 the place. I think I posted that in the Facebook group in uh, late July. Um, and I'm interested. I'm not sure if Hayden's going to give us any insight on um, whether he's crunched the numbers or not. But I just I, I, I love the replay of that win at Saratoga. Um, the track is very similar to Caulfield uh, to Mooney Valley. Sorry, it's a tight left um, hand track. Um, you know the horse was back in the field, really showed a turn of foot and just really put them away um, real quickly. Um, and I think that's the sort of turn of foot you need to win a Cox Plate. Um, he's lightly raced and he's on the way up. Son of Star Spangled Banner. Um, a Caulfield Guineas winner and Joseph O'Brien wouldn't bring him here unless he had a really high opinion of the horse um, and it's it's hard not to go with an international who's got that sort of profile we know the the Japanese come here and dominate and American form is very similar to Japan they just go so fast um, and that's why the form st stands up we saw Adelaide come here and win for Joseph's father, Aiden, and I think Joseph has a little feel that this this horse might um, be of a similar mould. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty happy with my ticket on State of Rest. Um, I think the three-year-olds, Captivant and Animo, deserve respect. Like I said, I think that Caulfield Guineas is huge. Um, I did back Captivant the day after the Caulfield Guineas at nine bucks to play, so um, I think he can run a big race. He's had... Two starts at a mile. He won the Champagne Stakes as a two-year-old and then obviously second in the Caulfield Guineas. And he hasn't been seen further than a mile, but he just screams a type of horse that can run on pace with no weight and um, really figure in the finish like Castle Vecchio did a couple of years ago. Animo deserves um, as much respect as Captivant, if not more. So I've got them both in my numbers. And yeah, I've all, I'm also trusting that Annabelle Nisham's got Zaki in the zone. Uh, this has been his grand final since that big win at Doombin. Um, yes, his form sort of dropped off a little bit, but um, so I won't be backing him at, at the $2.90 or whatever he is now, but I do respect him. I'll have him in my numbers. So I'm state of rest from Zaki, Captivant, and Animo is my top four. Interesting. Interesting. What's the chances that Zaki doesn't start favourite? Well, Fair who's going to take over him? Probably Animo's the, the chance, or, or very elegant. No, Animo. Bit, the rain Anim comes. Animo's the likely horse. If he's to assume favouritism, um, Animo's the likely horse to get backed in, I would have thought. Um, he's got the big IVR number last start. Um, he looks like he'll get, um, enjoy the 2,000 metres. Is, is the map a bit of a concern with Animo? He's clearly going to get back. Um, you have to be good to win from back in the field in a Cox Plate. That's where I think the weight's going to help, right? That's my key about that. That might be his favour, you know, that he can, with a light weight, he can run over the top of them potentially. Because, you know, he's seven kilos lighter than the next horse, right? Yeah. Well, look, he's, like I said, I put them, I put these couple in the all two Piero and all two Hard and Piero category, but they weren't able to win the Cox Plate, were they? They, they placed. Um, so let's see if they're good enough, right? Seamus Award <laughs> style. Oh, yeah. 
Seamus Award, well, that was a, a slowly was, run fight, wasn't it? What was the filly that Dan Yendel rode the other year for three odd? He ran third in those? Yeah, that's it. That was her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think they're better than her, but um, yep. Aiden, anyway, come on. Give us a win. Tell us where you're going to sit. Sounds like you, you might be in the animo camp. No, no, not necessarily. I just sat back today and tried to work out where Zaki really was at because I was, um, you know, I said he'd win, but I still wanted to knife him last start at the $1.20. Mm. Um, and there was the, the drums were out when we spoke to Jules Valance prior. And, you know, Jules, he's a pretty smart little cookie. We both sat there and said the last thing in the world you want to do is bank all your multi bets into that dollar twenty six. Mm. There was some alarm bells. The sand down run was plain. The drop off late was dangerous. Um, the Caulfield run, Craigie boy was a little bit, his timing was out at Caulfield and he was very reactive to the squeezes through the mid race. He was... He wasn't the one, um, he wasn't the proactive one. He was the reactor. And at Caulfield, when, you, when they want to go just before the six, the worst possible position you could be is the reactor to the squeeze. It's, um, it's I don't know why he didn't go forward. You're a better judge than me. I, just, I don't know why he didn't just think of bugger it. I'll just take it on. Well, Surprise at that. I reckon if it was the Cox plate, he just would have stayed, just yeah, would have set it alight and said, okay, let's go. But instead, you know, grand finals, a couple of weeks away, let's just be part of the pack. When the squeeze come on, he got sucked into the homesman move. He felt prebble to his right-hand side and said, okay, if I don't go, I'm going to get buried. It's too early, but I've got to react to it. Preble sucked him in, um, made him chase homesman. It was too far for him to go. Preble and his buddy with nonconformists just sat back, rode the wave and ran all over him. Um, yep. The drop-off, again, there was a drop-off to home, but it wasn't as drastic as the Sandown run. Go back to his campaign to start prior, third up Gold Coast. He was pretty ordinary when he beat 50 stars. He didn't look like the monster that we're about to find out he was at Doombin. Um, he came in at Doombin, and there's no mistake whatsoever. He repeats the Doombin run, he wins the Cox Plate. There's no... Ifs, buts, maybes, nothing's going to that level. Nothing can go to that level. Yep. Issue is we've got one out of eight, he's gone there, but he's gone there on a grand final. The thing he loves, he thrives on early pressure. So if they want to overdo things from the front, he will enjoy that. He doesn't like excessive mid-race exertions. Like he doesn't like to really, he doesn't like to go from a flat-footed to a sprint through the mid-race. That's not his style. So Cox Plate will suit him. And this is the most suitable race shape he gets from a campaign perspective. He comes in fourth up. He's had the two ordinary little flattening style runs and he gets battle hardened fourth up 2,000 metres. And it's not um, dissimilar a path to what he took through last campaign. The little problem I've got, last campaign he was off 206-day break. He had a fantastic campaign leading in. This was the 84-day break off the Queensland. It's too short. It's very difficult for trainers to get off that Queensland break and go again. He, he wouldn't surprise me at all if he just does, if he just belts them. In all honesty, he wouldn't surprise me if he if it was just a demolition job. But I still got to keep the thought process in my head. Only one run that you've produced in Australia would win a Cox plate over 2,000 metres. So going to mark you to the lower end of your profile, but still makes you a rock-solid top four chance. Even if he run to the lower end of his 2,000-metre profile, 
he still beats most of these home. So that's where he sits right now. Okay. Um, I look away. The three-year-old intrigues me. I thought his run in the guineas was special. It was a whole captive Vaughn. I go back other years and look at Super Seth Chase Alligator Blood and I watch, um, you know, and I sit there and I look at the numerics after and I go, you are just pretenders. Like, you are just no good. This boy's pretty good. He's a, big, so too, yep. he's a big time group one horse who deserves his opportunity in a race like this. I don't even have what weight he's got up on the screen because you know my interest level in that. But off his profile, he's a genuine top three player in a race like this. So they're the two that the race revolves around for me from an Australian perspective. Then you go and have a look at the other two. Gold Trip, his OS profile, yeah, it's there. Again, these fancy names of horses from overseas, the, um, they keep bobbing up. Yeah, they're good, but nah. They don't, they don't rate through the roof. They're not race shapes that resonate to Australian profiles. This is a really smart horse. Don't be mistaken. He's a good horse gold trip. He gets the the vets being the bet. If the vets spend in the week with you, you're not spending the weekend with me. They're my rules. So for me, he's in the bid. And, and I totally agree. I think he was the horse to beat probably a week ago. And, and I, I probably still would have had Animo on top, but I just felt like, well, that just makes me nervous, you know, and, yeah, maybe he's going to be the one, like maybe the futures players out there might be better off backing him in the McKinnon. Right? Give him a week oh, or two rest, get him right. Gold and trip. Yeah. I reckon they might, they might look at the Melbourne Cup. Well, that's the other thing, but I can he do that after being lame? I don't know. Like an extra week might help. Who knows? Who knows? He feels Smart like to me he's going to be, um, he feels like to me he's going to be nine bucks. He'll jump 20s on the day and, you know, he just won't do anything. As I go further down, I've got call sign Mav. He looks like the speed bunny in the race. Also, the vet spent a bit of time with him. He's outclassed for mine. Mawanga, I've got him as absolutely no hope. Yeah. He doesn't. Uh, we've discussed him races with pressure he thrives on, but he doesn't have the kick of those who are going to be around him. So he's going to struggle in and against them. Very elegant. If it's dry, I've got a complete line through. She's red hot in the take on basket for me she would need substantial rain for me to get involved what are we uh, thinking the track's going to do i'm just well, playing g4 until i see otherwise i think that i think that's hit and miss <laughs> the weather radar the weather forecast has been horrendous so i'm going to say four to five i think and you know you, you have to sign it put probably into that conversation if that's the case because mm, that's definitely. that's her sweet spot right well, it'd be interesting if they get 15 mils, they might actually scratch Probabil and save her for the Empire Rose. Well, yeah, potentially as well. Have five horses going around the Cox Plate at this race, match race. <laughs> so you get to her. I was taken by a performance, Caulfield Stakes Group 1, beating nonconformist Zaki and Co. I've got no issue with her G3, G4, S5, S6. Happy to play. Don't want her in the heavy range anymore because I know the negativity around her. I'm happy to have her on a heavy track. They're not, and I know how negative they will be. So, Aiden, I don't. I don't think it's the soft track ne necessarily. I think it's a soft track combined with the tight surface of Mooney Valley. 
Yeah. The two. No, that's fair enough. She's been there. She's failed. Yeah, it was last year's Cox Plate. Um, and then the All-Star Mile. The All-Star Mile was the soft six. And you would have thought, oh, you know, she came out of that massive fortuity stakes win where she beat Arcadia Queen. And you're thinking, all right, it's Arcadia Queen versus um, versus Probabil in the All-Star Mile. Arcadia Queen was scratched and you thought, oh, chips in Probabil. And she just doesn't like that tight track with the with the wet surface, I think. It's just like, I think you might have said, it's like roller skates for her. It yeah. was. It's... um. Though both occasions she's failed badly, she's mm. been extremely disadvantaged in terms of position in run and track pattern on the day. So I wouldn't dismiss her, but they would. So I couldn't have her under those conditions because I know they'll be negative. The three-year-old, extremely taken by him. I think he's a brilliant horse. He's definitely in my numbers. And Cap Devon's the sneaky one. My concern with Cap Devon, if I hear the words use the weight, he goes in the bin. <laughs> So use the weight is one of the most dangerous tactics to ever use in a race, and it does not work. So what you do is you ask horses to do things that they're not capable of. You ask them to go harder than what they're physically capable of. You ask them to go for longer than what they're physically capable of, when if you just rode them naturally to their race shape, you may actually get an advantage by having less of an impost on top. As soon as you ask a horse to do something they're not capable of, doesn't work and it also doesn't increase your talent by having less on you i'm gonna yeah. hold you there for a sec aiden because i want to build a bit more suspense i know the people listening and watching will want to know who you're dissecting but tim's only got a couple of minutes left with us tim we know you're on animo and very elegant for the cox plate you like lombardo as a spec bet in the manicato have you got any other best bets for us um, across the weekend before we let you go yeah, for sure, mate. I, I think we'll stick with Saturday. I'm not entirely excited by the main Friday night. So yeah. let's kick off in uh, race two at the Valley. I think there's a there's a horse here down the bottom, Starry Legend, and I'm particularly keen to back. I think he was terrific in his first preparation as a two-year-old. Beat some very good horses there. Was probably unlucky not to win three from three. Went a bit fast on that last one. Came out to God's Country down at Mornington the other day and, and won exceptionally well in a really quick time for Mornington over the 1,000. I thought it was really, really strong race. I, I think he just gets an easy lead here and, and puts the sword to them. So I'm pretty keen there. Race two, number 10, Starry Legend, one of the better bets. I'll go to race five next as my next bet, and that's going to be, sorry, race four, I tell a lie. Might even actually help me to get my numbers in order. Race three, we're going to go to. How's that? Race three, number two, New York Baby, a place that we can't travel to for probably another 15 years. But I think this horse is really forward. I loved uh, her win at Warnable on debut. She came back to Flemington first up in September and was just classes above them. Went to a group three uh, next up um, at the Thoroughbred Club Stakes in, at Caulfield on, on Guinea's Day. She'd been forward in her first two runs and unfortunately gate nine and a few circumstances early on in that race, she got snagged way back and it was an unusual pattern for her racing so far. And what I found that she actually found a different type of type of racing style in that race because they were going pretty quick and she actually had an acceleration that was terrific. She was six or seven lengths off at the, at the turn, had this beautiful kick going forward and put and, and all but one being sneaky five who were going to see go around in the Manicato, right? So... I think in a race that's back at listed grade with nothing that's really exciting me, I, I think she's a terrific bet. So race three, number two, New York baby. I, 
Best of the day, and look, it's probably a bit of a free kick, but race seven, number one, forgot you. This horse's panels above this field and kind of what's the last shot for a lot of these horses that are getting into a derby or trying to get to a derby or topping themselves off for a derby. But um, he he's just stacks above this horse. You've got to remember he won here last two back yeah, over 1,600 metres. Yeah. Really strong group two in the start stakes. But then I think, again, probably circumstantially, got way back than where his pattern suggests he's suited in the run in the Caulfield Guineas. He probably is a better midfield horse. And he was he found himself last, second last through the run and, and so they had to do something unusual and and really make up some 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 lengths on horses like Animo and Captivant that are now fighting out the Cox plate. Um, yep. He gets up to 2,000 metres, which is way more suited for him, I think. And I think there's just panels above this horse. Draws gate nine. That's probably the only question mark because he's going to need to sort of get forward and maybe into a middle position, but he should be able to do that. He gets yep. 200 metres to do that from the 2,000 metre mark. So Daniel Moore can do that as well. Chuck a couple of roughies in just for the for the people out there. I think in race five, I'm really taken by Charlotte Littlefield's horse down the bottom. Native girl, I think she's a really good filly going places. Um, look, a maiden in a race that I'm talking about that's black type. Watch both of her starts. If you get a minute and you're a replay watcher, she was desperately unlucky not to win B2 from two. Michi on it. I think she'll be out to win one of these races today. Mm-hmm. And best value bet is race six, uh, race 10, number six, Star Rail. I reckon I'm playing here that the rails might be off later in the day and she's a get back run on horse. Um, and I think come the 18th race on the two day program, you might find that the, the, the best place to be is potentially in the middle of the track. So if that's the case, I think. You can get eight or nine dollars for her now. I think she's a really good each way bet in race uh, race ten number six lay of the day because I'm a bet fair advocate, of course. Pondus race eight number ten. I don't think he can win, so that's my lay of the day. I think he's he's just not looking right this preparation. And this is a horse that we had in Australia a couple of years ago, a year ago, that was winning some really good races. But I just didn't like his first up run, and I don't know if he's going to take much out of that. He'll be forward and leading, and is that going to be right in a race that's probably going to be pretty slow? I don't think so. So. Here's my lay of the day, race eight, number 10, Pondus. All right, Tim, I've jotted down your numbers, so I'll repeat them at the end of the show. Appreciate your time today. Thanks, Gents. Cox Plate weekend, mate, and good luck on the punt. Well, I'm still living the dream of finally winning a premiership after all of these years. So Three mentions today. I told you (laughs) you had three mornings before I cut you off. Yeah, all right. Thanks, Jens. A pleasure to have you back on the show and uh, looking forward to hearing how you dissect what's going to be a terrific Cox Plate. Thanks, mate. Hope to see you back at the track soon, too. We'll oh, yeah, right absolutely. Cup Derby Day. We'll be back. We'll be back. Thanks, Thanks Timmy. So, yeah. All right. So, Timmy's given us uh, five good bets there and a lay bet. Now, let's get back to the Cox Plate. You gave us your runner by runner. You deliberately didn't mention State of Rest. So, what's your take on State of Rest? I de- deliberately didn't mention it. I've marked State of Rest as the horse to beat in the Cox Plate. Um I think from an each-way perspective, fantastic value. I was taken by the performance that you made mention to on a firm deck in the Invitational Derby at Saratoga. It's a brilliant race, ideal Cox Plate lead-up. Mm-hmm. Performance two back at the Curra in the Celebration Stakes was quite good and worth a replay. Failed in the Futurity Trophy, Group 1 level at Doncaster and the heavy, the heavy's not its go. Mm. And prior to that, the Group 2 Champagne at Doncaster was very good also. It's got tactical speed. It's got straight line speed. It's got 
a lot of the things that I look for from an international presence. And I am of the opinion that it will run quite well. Cox Plate suits, 2000 suits, Mooning Valley, no concern. Obviously off that performance at Saratoga gives you a little bit of an insight that a tight left-hander is okay. So for me, I've marked it on top of Animo, who I was really taken by in the Guineas. Mm -hmm. He's an exciting horse on the way up. Third, I've marked in Zaki. Zaki's, I had to make up my mind that you, I was either going to completely take you on or I wanted you on my team. I want yep. you on my team. He really wouldn't surprise me at all if he made a mess of them. Mm -hmm. um, and the horse I've got in for fourth is Cap Devon. Same top I'm, four as me. I've, um, Probabil, she was the one I was having a little bit of trouble with. She can definitely sneak into uh, first four. And after that, I thought the race fell apart very, very quickly. I'm prepared to take very elegant on. I can't see how she wins without rain. And if the if we get similar conditions to last year and the place falls apart, well, don't bet. Simple. So that's where I am this year's Cox Plate, mate. Would you have had Gold Trip riding your numbers had had there been no vet concerns? I would have had Gold Trip. He probably would have replaced Captivant. Okay. So I, I would have had him as a first four player, but I wouldn't have had him in front of the other one. All right. So you've got state of rest from Animo, Zaki and Captivant. I think I went state of rest from Zaki, Animo and Captivant. So we've run the top four. Did you take the 50s when I posted it in the Facebook group? No, I didn't. I'm disappointed in you. Very disappointed. Why? Because I know you don't listen to me with these sort of things, but when the chief racing rider at the age tells you that there's a horse who's won in America who's coming to the Cox Plate, he's worth having a little ticket on at 50, to bar 50 bucks, I think you might back in your mate and just have something on. I don't need to because I'm going to get oh, 15 to one tomorrow. Your, take your 10s tomorrow. No, I'll get 15s tomorrow. Take your 15s. I will. Take your 15s. I'm able to lay at the 15s and still make money. All right. Um, I'll, I'll lay I'll lay at the 15s so I can take a little profit. All right, mate. So state of rest. Well, I'm glad you're in my camp. Um, I know you won't give us an IVR figure, but just give me a nod or a shake of the head. Do you have an IVR figures on him? If you, you want do. an IVR figure on him, Vince Sicardi's race speed profiles are available to purchase online on Saturday mornings. If you would like another option and you would like another view when it comes to IVR profiling, etc., he will be doing a podcast tomorrow. Okay. It's $33. You get a race speed profile with it for the day. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely worth an investment, especially over the carnival. He does them for his little corporate clientele. That's an option for you. You know I don't promote anything in vows on the show, but that will answer your question. He does IVR profiling for international runners for Cox Plate Day, Derby Day, Cup Day, all the big days. He has the IVR profiles for them. He puts a lot of work into them, and I will never disclose them on him without his blessing, and it's something that I just don't do. All right. No, um, I've, I've listened to the podcast before, and um, – 
I might be looking for something to do tomorrow morning. So you might have talked me into that. Sounds like I'm pretty happy with my um, my current bets on um, State of Rest 51 each way and Captivant $9 a place might might um, might just see me out. I might not need to uh, back anything else. I might just cheer those home. Um, where do you sit on the rest of the card, mate? Find us a couple more winners. Uh, race one, first starters, two-year-olds, Inglis. Normally a race I like getting on track and having a look at them in the mounting yard. It's one of those very rare events. I've got a little... Um, traditional thing with a good mate of mine, Ryan Hay. We like to go out there and try and get the winner of the English banner and we like to follow it into the future. Unfortunately, we won't get the opportunity to do that this year. There's two next-geners in our group. Um, Mr. Ben Darcy, who's the head chef up at Shadow Facts Winery in Werribee, mm -hmm. and his brother, Jared Darcy, who was formerly an apprentice of Mick Price, have a... Uh, little piece of the tail of Red Rapid. So the next geners can kick home Red Rapid for the Busset and Young Camp in race one. That'll be the horse that I'll be paying plenty of attention to and I hope it wins for them. All right. Race two, I'm, I'm not betting race one. Race two? Race two, another race. I'm not interested in a lot of these, to be honest with you. They're, um, the fields just to me feel a bit stretched and without the influx of Sydney horses, we seem like we don't have enough horses for our races that we're putting on at the moment. So to me, there's a distinct lack of Waller and Godolphin and Co, which normally is where I look to make my money on these days. Race two, interesting race. Anything above benchmark will put you into the race. So that to me is a no-go zone. Don't know what to make a starry legend, but he gets a nice race shape. He gets his opportunity. Dexalation was good previously. He'd be on top for me from an each way perspective, but yeah. Yeah, no, not a race I'm enthused about at all. All right, me neither. Race three? Race three, good race. From an interest, from a um, horses to follow perspective, not a good race for me in terms of betting. Star Waltz was a horse we spoke about if there was a 60 to 1 winner the other day. It got held up. I'm not one to, uh, I'm not one to hold up the excuses. I'm normally, when you get held up, you're not good enough. Gets the right race, D-Lane. Rubadira, similar, held up, not good enough. Gets its opportunity here. Probably the best race for the campaign for a horse like that. So dangerous runner in a race like this. Dance Little Sisters, the one who gets the really good race shape for Hubert Bowman and the Buston and Natalie Young camp. 20 to 1. Might be hard to catch. Okay. There might be a little spec there. Um Timmy mentioned New York Baby as one of his bets in that race. And race two, he mentioned Starry Legend. I think they're both the favourites. New York Baby certainly has the right form lines beating. Uh, Sneaky Five and Crystal Bound, both who run in the Manicato on Friday night. Uh, race four, this looks like a tough little race. Dosh, um, the obvious. Tad Weir has a defined diva form. Interesting race once again. Do you reckon our man's picked himself up off the floor yet? Or do you reckon he's still laying there? Our great man, Sam McClure, friend of the show. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think he is still laying on the carpet floor after Dosh got chased down by... Um, who was it? Um, was it Savitoxel? Yes. Yeah. And again, um, I think Sam might be lying on the floor that this little Dosh isn't in the Manicato. Well, the, 
you're going to put a race on for horses of that caliber you may as well be in it if you got beaten the nose by the favorite in the previous start you may as well have a go I don't think that they would have been expecting that sort of manicato though and it catches a lot of people napping you always got to throw a nomination in 1,200 metres has to be its only concern, but Graham Begg's one that just keeps defying the analytical side of it. From a data perspective, that horse flew last start. It was very good. 1,200, I think they'll be heart in their mouth again. Mooney Valley suits, on-track bias might suit. If the track's slippery from the front and you're hard to catch, it's hard seeing him get run down. Tad Weir was good. Synthetic, good. In its following start, you're going to get a big price. Daily Bugle's an interesting runner for mine. He flies Mooney Valley. He's typical trip. He doesn't really fire up until he gets to a mile, but he's a horse I could definitely entertain. And generation for the Ma Ma Eustace John Allen combination or James McDonald combination. It's the watch horse in the race. Absolutely. All right. Um, not one I'm all that interested in, although I do have Dosh on top. Uh, race five, Phillies Classic, 1,600 metres. Heresy, how long's the Heresy um, fan Last club minute. gonna last? Yeah, Last I reckon minute. this surely, this is it, isn't it? For this yep. campaign? Yep. Macarana looks like the progressive runner of the group. Vianello, interesting horse. But once again, I feel like a lot of these are limited. Friends of the show, if anybody followed me in with Stern Impulse was going to be a dangerous runner last start, it just took forever and they finally got it right on the line at 20 to 1. Mm. Once again, race shape here suits. Good friends of the show, Charlotte Littlefield, Julian Hay, Native Girl, good luck. Timmy's marked it as one of the value bets of the meeting. He Hopefully has. they can make ground and hopefully this big filly puts herself into the frame in first. So I'll be going for her. All right. Native girl number 12 is the value play. You're right, Ben. Um, Tim did mention her as one of the value bets of the day. Well, I'm starting to get warm here. Race six, the Crystal Mile, 1,600 metres. Best of days won this race last year. He's 11. But the strong form line looks like the Turak. Elephant, $3. Uh, embolism, $7.50. Second slip is $9. Romance is 12 um, Rhinoceros 18. Um, sorry, and I'm, I've failed to mention Buffalo River, who won last start but had everything in his favour. You know, we don't talk about SP profiles on this show. It's not our cup of tea in the way that we do things. But what price would you have given me for Elephant last start if you knew I'm Thunderstruck was going to go to the level that it did? Um, if I knew I'm Thunderstruck was going to level it did, I would have given you uh, $101 for Elephant. Okay, that would be dramatic unders. Because I think it'd be close to telephone number style odds. There's just not a hope in hell that horse could ever go to that level and he sat outside of him and they played jockey. Mm -hmm. He's got to be a forgive run. He just looks like a Mooney Valley specialist, doesn't he? Where he doesn't have that dominant straight line speed, but he thrives on a little bit of up pace, up front pressure. Not too dramatic, but mm -hmm. just enough. Anything too dramatic, you bust him up. And anything that they ask him for a big sprint, he doesn't have it in his legs. So the big elephant, he gets a good race shape here. The buffalo, have you ever seen a more blessed run than last start? 
No, ever. he had everything, everything in his favour last up. That was the golden race shape for him. It's, it just smelt like that was going to happen and did up to a mile. He has got historical figures that would really mix it with these. You know, he's the sort of horse who could go, again, two and a half from the front. Mm-hmm. So it puts him there and it gives Elephant a great bunny to catch, which mm-hmm. means, you know, it's going to ask Elephant to go close to the three again just from off his tail. So this is a much better race shape for Elephant. Second slip was very good at Caulfield in his latest, mm-hmm. as was Embolism. So the race revolves around those. The sneaky little devil in the race is best of days. He's one you either put him on your side or you leave him in the bin and say he's too old and he's finished. But best of days, he's that horse who shows up on Cox Plate Day once a year and he'll run his big race. (laughs) Yeah, he'll break the track record and suck win for the rest of the spring. (laughs) So for me, I had Elephant on top because, again, I think he gets a golden race shape. And for me, I'm happy taking the dollar forty-five the place, dollar fifty the place, and I'll get that. I find it hard to see him missing the first three. From embolism, who I thought was outstanding last start, and again from an each way perspective, he looks like a bulletproof bet. Mm-hmm. Then I start to look at well, Buffalo, you're going to be there somewhere. You're the bunny, and second slip, Will Clark and Linda Meach, always dangerous in races like this. Best of days is the question mark horse. If you're setting a book, you got to make a decision if he's on your team or not. Good race. I'm in the elephant camp, and I'm in the embolism camp uh, for most of the reasons you said. And embolism beat elephant last start fair and square. Um, if embolism rocks up with that plus 4.4 again, I don't think elephant gets that plus 4.4. So this horse is low flying. You might see, uh, you might be getting this price because the distance range reads five starts for one win, no seconds, no thirds. Well, I think if he was running plus 4.4 every time he went around the mile, uh, his record would be more, um, more, enticing than um, or, or more prolific than it is. So I'll be embolism. I've already had a little nibble on the wing win, but I think he's, um, well, sports bet are offering money back for second, third, fourth or fifth. So that makes it even more confident um, that I'll have a, a bigger bet on embolism. Uh, the next race, the Vars, I don't think we have to spend too long on this. Do they beat Forgot You? Every man in Australia is going to be on this, aren't they? Yep. Is there anyone who's not going to be on it? No. That's my question. I don't know if there's a horse that, um, if forgot you, turns up. I don't think there's a horse that beats him. Well, the issue that we've got is we've got a lot of boys who have shown little snippets at the mile who all look like they're ready to go to 2,000. And it only takes one to knock you off. And if you've got this thing loaded into all your multiples, yeah, it that's only takes one. It's just so dangerous to do. So if you're going to back him, you back him on your individual line. If you think he's a good thing, whatever your max bet, your betting um, strategy is, whatever that is, you go that way to load him into every multiple on the day. Yeah, well, we saw that with Zaki. We saw that the day that Artorias lined up with ingratiating, lined up with um, Ayrton and all three got beat. So... You've learned your lesson, guys. Don't put forgot you in your multis, but in, in give us 30 seconds, Hayden. Does anything beat him? 
There's a lot of progressive ones. The horse that I thought was the most progressive out of all of them was the Waller Runner, Villadon. Ollie goes on, he's an each-way price, 100% would not back him. I've got no interest in backing anything else. I expect the favourite to run well, if not win. Akihiro's the other danger runner, and both will get 2,000 metres. So you got unexposed, forgot you. I can't, I, impossible to knock, and for me, I couldn't back him. So well, I could back him, but it's on an individual basis. And if you want to put him in a mould, you put him in one. Hmm. Don't back him. Don't bank him into everything, thinking you're about to have a double up because you might lose the whole lot. Yep, agree. Yeah, I think uh, I think he's the best bet on the day. Um, or you know, when you you're asked to put your best bet, who's the most likely winner on the day? He's the most likely winner on the day. Uh, the Mooney Valley Gold Cup over twenty five hundred meters. Floating artist three dollars thirty. Pondus three eighty. Our man Tim says Pondus is the lay of the day. Um, obviously, wearing his Betfair hat. Harpo Max 550 um, brings good form. Luna Flare 11, Secret Blaze 15, Miami Bound 18, LaDonda V 26, Attorney 26, Starcaster 26. This is a really difficult race, isn't it? Floating Artist was average last start. Tio. Might have gone a little bit slow and they got a bit happy with themselves. They're not secret blaze and floating artists aren't explosive style horses there. You know, they can sustain a good thousand meter sprint. But I think he should have showed a little bit more the floater last start. Mm -hmm. He's a big take on trust and take on trust in terms of your eye not deceiving you. His performance at Sandown two back was excellent. His Caulfield one, I wasn't overly taken by it. So Teo's going to have to be on the ball here. Mm -hmm. I was taken by Sound's performance first up. I thought he was in for a good campaign. Harpo Marks is a very dangerous runner in races like this, as yep. is Luna Flair. And me little girl, Miami Bound, has shown enough for me to go again. And she won so, this race last year. Mooney Valley, tick, 2,500 tick. 2,500 is her perfect distance. So for me, I'm Harpo Marks on top D lane, Bjorn Baker from Miami Bound, Sound, Luna Flair. Okay, um, I'm happy to give Secret Blaze a second shot. Um, I'm not sure what it was last start, whether the horse was a bit flat from that terrific performance at Mooney Valley. Two starts back. Um, I don't know if the, the rail out nine metres might have played a few tricks there, but um, I, I'm happy to give Secret Blaze another go. $15 and 440 It'll be my small little um, fun bet. The Cox Plate we've dissected and race 10. The Tessio Stakes, always a good way to finish Cox Plate Day with these mares. And Avisto 440, Only Words 550, Starrell 7. Starrell's one of um, Timmy's uh, uh, value bets. More Profits 10, Grace and Harmony 11, Magna Bella 13. Um, we go down, uh, Ilafare's there at 15, Vanagirl 21, worked at Mooney Valley alongside Captivon. Um, during the week, they both worked well. Um, yeah, how, how, how do we finish this?
Cox Plate Carnival. With a little bit of difficulty. Normally, this is the race where you say, okay, we've got the Yamanjiri at the end of the day. And yeah. We're just going to put our lollies into that basket and we're going to yeah. walk away from the track and we're going to get the money and then we head over to KFC and <laughs> get something over there. And then we look to loiter around some of the local establishments and fail to get in and then get an early um, Uber towards the Crown about this time. <laughs> the evening but unfortunately this won't be happening for most this weekend even though we are allowed out more profits was a very interesting runner for more never had a mile profile the mare in form can reign true when the mare in forms ivr profile just continues to show green light green light green light strong two back 21.1 length squeeze said it's game on for me, even though I finished ninth of 13 at Newcastle and went to Randwick at her latest and had a crack at the mile and was really strong. Yep. Last 200, excellent. She can shake, rattle and roll here and scare the life out of this lot. Anna Visto, dangerous horse, right race, right race shape, ticks a lot of boxes. Jai, dangerous runner on horses of this nature. The little watches in the race are Grace and Harmony, horse who I've had a lot of time for. Promise the world getting an atlas with the delivery, but is really talented. So it's the horse I want to keep a close eye on. And Star Rail gets into my first four. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I've, I had to do the form uh, by midday today for Saturday's age, and I had more profits on top. Um, it's the right form. I think we usually see a Sydney mare come down and win this race, as you mentioned, Amingiri. I think the more profits, Grace and Harmony form behind Mirror Vision is the right form. They, the entire field had a slowdown from the four to the two, which actually... Um, actually flattened what they could have done and more profits, 1.1 lengths above benchmark, copped a 3.8 length slowdown from the four to the two and then increased her speed by five lengths and rattled home a plus 3.3 last 200. Um, Grace and Harmony had an even bigger slowdown of six lengths and picked up with the uh, plus 2.4. So at their price, more profits is $10, should be my uh, on top on top pick but I could actually back both more profits in grace and harmony um, for the positive result so um, hopefully there's a little bit of money left over in the kitty and I can have a little bit um, little bit on both of them and hopefully pick up a ticket I think you might I do I think you might I've got a challenge for the week if you're interested all right hit me good friend of the show Tim Kennedy punk king the punk king Likes to bandy around this photo of himself from his earlier days with the <laughs> white belt hat sort of structure that he was running. Is this when he was interviewed? Uh, he was singing Daryl at at, um, at Mooney Valley on Cox Plate Day on the Racing.com coverage. I think so. And the and the get up was like straight off the Tarot Cash specials rack at the front. <laughs> It was. It was none of your Oxford style. Nothing wrong with Tarot Cash, mate. It was none of your Oxford style top of the line. This was, he'd ventured down to the, um, what do you call it, to the factory direct outlet 
treated himself, limited supply of cash, planning on drinking and betting with most of it. So the outfit didn't take priority. It's tactical. And he really looked good on the day. And he loves to bandy the photo around. So what I think we should do this week, and between us we can come up with a prize and put it on the next-gen page, but I think instead of asking people to dress up on the day like we did last time, let's see an old photo of people back from their heyday oh, in some of their more controversial outfits that they've worn, whether it be to a race meeting or to a wedding or such. But let's see the bowl of fruit and the tips in the hair and... See, see what sort of debacle people can come up with. I think we can come up for a prize for the best dressed for Cox Plate Day. Worst dress, right? Yeah. Now, I think I've got some horrible ones. So, um, But what I'd like is you to post one of you because you didn't get involved in our Dress to Impress guineas the other day. So it's about time that you pulled your finger out and actually got involved in some of these next-gen comps. So you're going to send me one of your pictures, I'm going to post it in the group and then ask people to post theirs in the comments so you can be the whipping boy for this week. I'm going to be the whipping boy coming up. I've got one up my sleeve where we asked people to do a race call and they got a little bit shy. My brother sent me a couple of his race calls on there and I said, I'll put it on if others come to the party. No one really comes to the party. So leading up into the following week for the Derby Day, we're going to pick a race. We're going to ask a couple of people to do a call if we get five people who are brave enough to put their race call up in that week, I'll do a call of the cup on the show. So wow. I'll go under full pressure. I'll take the whole lot on for the team and I'll do it off the cuff live on the show. So there's no hiding. All right. Well, maybe That's I right. could do the little eight, eight horse field in the Cox Plate and you could do the 24 in the cup going for three minutes. That's the one. I'll do the whole three minutes, 21. And I'll do every runner. All right, mate. So it sounds like we're uh, crossing our fingers for a big state of rest collect, maybe the Lombardo state of rest double, although I'm pretty happy with the ticket I've got on state of rest at the moment. Anyway, if I haven't mentioned that um, before, enjoy the weekend, mate. Enjoy. Thank you. It's been enjoyable. Catch you later. Bye for now.